as we are kind of think about uh, as we think about our uh, this revolution of uh, based on the teaching of Jesus Christ, uh, let me kind of give you some lines and see if you recognize these lines. Love is a many splendored thing. Love is a rose. You better not pick it. Love is a battlefield. Love is like a butterfly. Love is all you need. Love is a four-letter word. Love is in the air. You might recognize some of those phrases from poets and musicians that uh, help, help us to try to define and kind of capture what the essence of love is. But authors and poets cannot begin to really articulate the depth of what love really is. And we have to really look to the master, the creator of this world and the creator of this, this idea of love himself, God and his son, Jesus Christ, who is the personification of love in our world. Uh, he teaches us, Jesus does, some grand lessons on this revolutionary subject of love. Jesus, as he came into this world, was the ultimate definer of love. He came into this world really ushering in a revolution of love. And so we're going to continue this uh, series that we've been in on uh, New Year's Revolution, talking about the revolutionary teachings of Jesus Christ. Um, And so uh, as we think about that, we've learned about the revolutionary teaching uh, that Jesus had in the subject, on the subject of grace, the revolutionary teaching that Jesus had on the subject of forgiveness. And last week we talked about the revolution of generosity that Jesus uh, came teaching us. And now as we wrap up this series this weekend, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke, the sixth chapter, and we'll look at a passage of scripture. We'll look at some other uh, teachings on the same subject as we think about Jesus' words that are words of revolution as he teaches us about love. Listen to this, Luke, the 6th chapter, the 27th verse, when Jesus says this. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. But if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. Because he is is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Now, when we understand what was going on in Jesus' day, when he stands up and he teaches, or actually he's probably sitting as he was teaching, but as he, as he taught this, this revolutionary concept about love, uh, it was indeed a revolution in their day, and it's a revolution today as we think about how these words, if we put them in the pra- into practice, would literally bring revolution of the way that our world works if we as his followers really live this out. How it would bring a revolution in our lives if we chose to live this out. When we think about this, Luke, this, this sixth chapter, 
These words where Jesus was teaching us, these aren't words that are just part of some communication of a, here's a moral prescription for you for some moral behavior. So in the midst of doing these other things, I just want to encourage you uh, uh, to, to love you know, people somewhat. That is, that is not the, the tenor of what Jesus is trying to teach us. He is talking about revolution, these concepts that he's teaching. It's a radical way of life. It's different than the way we normally live. And to live out this, this, this truth that he gives us would cause revolution. And to live out that revolution, we can only do that by the power that is, we're not born with. By the power that is made available to us. Jesus told us he wouldn't leave us. Jesus told us that he would give us someone. He would give us power. We, he would leave the great comforter. We need help to live out these words. And so the good news is we're not alone in living them out. Anytime you see Jesus tells us to do something, you always see that Jesus gives us the help that we need to live it out. So let's go back to what Jesus had to say. Now let's think about the implications of this revolution, this teaching that he gives us. What does he say in verse 27? In verse 27, he tells us to love our enemies, do good to those who hate us. Now, I want you to think about who are the people in your life that you might describe that way, who, who would come closest to, be the, to being the, the, the ones that would hate you or the ones that, 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 that would be your enemies. Who are those people? And Jesus says, love them. That's revolutionary. In verse 28, he tells us, he goes on and he says that we need to return uh, blessings. When you receive cursing, give blessings back. Pray for those who mistreat you. Who wants to do that? Who, who does that normally, just on our own? Who, who is able to do that? He, he tells us in verse 29, not to be quick to retaliate, to turn the other cheek. I mean, we, we, we like a good, healthy dose of retaliation, don't we? I mean, that's kind of fun. Revenge, at times, really hits the spot. And Jesus says to turn the other cheek. And then we have, Jesus gives us what mothers have adopted the world over when he says to do unto others as you would have them do unto you, the golden rule. In verse 32, he gets to the heart of it when he tells us, if you love those who love you, big deal, is basically what he's saying. Even sinners, he says, love those who love them back. And if you do good to those who you know are going to do good back to you, if you loan money to people that you know are going to loan it or give it back to you, big deal. What, what, what's the revolution in that? There's nothing revolutionary in doing that. And so basically he says, if that's the way you're living, if you're living loving people that love you back and giving to people who give back and scratching the back of those that scratch your back, if that's the way you're living, then congratulations, prisons are filled with people who live by the same standard. In verse 33, he says even sinners do that. He says that they live by that same code of loving people who love them back. Gangs, terrorist organizations, the world over live by that code. Take care of those who take care of you. Loan to those who will loan, give the money back to you. Act in love toward those who act that way toward you. The rest of the people, you don't have to do that. You don't have to live like that with them. And then Jesus says, I want to call you to something that's revolutionary. I want to call you some, to something that's deeper than that. 
And he then says it again in verse 38, 35, when he says to love your enemies, do good to them. He says it again, lend to them without, without expecting it back. And then he says, you'll get your reward. Then you will be like the sons of the Most High. Why? Because when you do that, when we do that, is when we begin to love like Jesus loved. At that point, we begin to love like God loves And so the proof, Jesus says, as he's teaching us, the proof of the revolution in us, when the revolution is alive in us, this revolutionary teaching that we see when he teaches us a revolution of grace and a revolution of forgiveness and a revolution of generosity, and we see this revolution of love, the, the, the truth, the proof of that revolution is when we love like we have been loved. When we offer forgiveness like, we have, like it has been given to us. Not, he says, not when we love those who love us back. Not when we just forgive those who we know will forgive us back. The revolution comes when we live differently. When we love like Jesus. When we love like God. When Jesus, Scripture tells us that while we were still sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That Christ gave his life for us when we were still sinners. Not when we deserved it, not when we had earned it, but yet all of us have, have been, uh, have this potential to be forgiven, to be loved. We, it's what Christ did even while we were still sinners, he says. In verse 36, he concludes by saying, to be merciful just as your father is merciful. What Jesus is sharing is revolutionary. Let's think about the implications of that revolution. There's another place in Scripture where he carries the same thing. There's many places where he, he fleshes it out even more. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 43-46, he has the same theme going when he says these words. You have heard what it said, that it was said to love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Jesus is again telling us as his revolutionary followers. That when when we accept the grace and forgiveness that that he bought for us. Then if we're going to follow him then we need to live in a revolutionary way. And that there's a set of, of revolutionary implications that need to come to bear in our lives, and we need to live in a different way. And so Jesus says, if you have been loved, if you've been forgiven, then hatred is no longer an option. But love is. Regardless of how you're treated, our only option as Christ's followers is love. And so the revolution, here's a point that we want to make as we think about what Jesus is teaching us. The revolutionary love that Jesus that we're talking about enables us to love those we could never love before. So who is that person? Who is that person in your life that you would label as the one that you've never been able to love before? And again, the wonderful thing about Christ is that when he tells us to do something, he asks us to do something, he he 
He, he, he puts it on, on a part of the agenda as his followers. He, he, he will help us to do it. That we're not alone in this world. That we're not alone in this, this revolution of, of, of loving those we've never been able to love on our own. And so who is the person or who are the persons that you're struggling, struggling not to hate? Maybe it's your business partner who sto- stabbed you in the back and stole the business. Maybe it's your, your coworker who got you fired. Maybe it's some repeat drunk driver who took the life of someone you love. Maybe it's some uh, a terrorist in some foreign country that, that put an ID in a, on a roadside and it blew the leg off of someone that you love or in, in, incapacitated them in some way. Maybe it's a husband that exchanged their vows for another, the vow that he'd made to you for another woman and destroyed your family. Who is the person or persons that you're struggling not to hate? And these revolutionary words come to bear in that situation. And he says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. And so it's a revolution. It's a revolution of love that empowers us to love those that we've never been able to love before. Now, to this point, some of us need to go back and to listen. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about revolutionary forgiveness. Some of us need kind of another kind of go at that and to hear that again. And so you can get on the website, myfirstchurch.com, and look under sermons. And Pastor Chris, a few weeks ago, preached a message from God's Word that helped us to deal with this idea of revolutionary forgiveness, this idea of being able to forgive. I would offer up the idea that When we think about loving those that are not loving, of loving instead of hating, I would encourage you to put your faith in God. He said this, when we struggle to think, are they going to get what they deserve? Or those kind of issues, if I, if I, and we feel like let them off the hook in that way. If, if, I, don't, if, I, if I don't hold them accountable that way, what's going to happen? Romans 12, 19, I would remind you that our God takes care of things in this world. And he says this, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And you can trust our God. That he will take care of every situation in this world. And as I, this weekend, as we talk about this and as we listen to what Jesus says, and if we really take it, a lot of times we read over this and we don't really, really, really own the implications of the difference that this would make in our lives, the revolution that this would bring in our lives, and we really live this out. And as I stand here, I don't have answers to some of the very thorny, perplexing issues that come up when we t- think about and talk about this idea of, of loving people that hate us and persecute us. When our world tells us that to, to give back what we are given and all those kind of things. But Jesus says that there is a different standard to love and it's revolutionary. Let me say this. Being a Christian. I read in a book, I can't remember where I read it, but he said this. Being a Christian has very little to do with how you treat those who love you. And very much to do with how you treat those who don't. That's what Jesus said. 
There's another practical application as we again look at the teaching of Jesus. In Matthew 25, verse 34 through 36, he says this, And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you gave, and you came to visit me. So as a revolutionary Christ follower, when we're living out our faith correctly, this, this scripture is talking about the final judgment in the future when Christ comes back. Here's what's going to happen. There's going to be the sheep and the goats and, he's, gonna, and, he, and he, he's talking to those that, that have done it right and have lived the right way. And what's he describing? What, what we have been engaged in in, the, in that moment when we've done it right and we, we're praised for that. When we are loving those who love us back, when we were serving those who served us back, when we again we scratched the back of those who scratched our back, when we gave to those we expected to be given back with interest, is that when we'll be praised that, that with that kind of love? The scripture tells us and reminds us when we are loving those that are not loved, when we love those who are hungry, when we love the stranger. When we love those who are in need, when we look after the sick and we visit those in prison, when we love like that, then we're fulfilling the mandate of Christ. So revolutionary love, secondly, enables us to love the unloved. Revolutionary love, this love that Jesus describes for us, when he teaches us about what it looks like, is a love that loves the unloved. Revolutionary love motivates us, enables us to love the marginalized in our world. Our world really doesn't have a lot of spare time, does it, for the homeless or the poor or the hungry, the orphan, the diseased, the elderly, the imprisoned. But Jesus tells us again his clear teaching that the revolutionary love that you have been loved by and with, with, with Christ, that that revolutionary teaching, when it gets in you and when it's empowering and it's fueling your life, then it will enable you to love the unloved. And then finally, another teaching of Jesus in the 10th chapter of the book of Matthew. In verse 37 and 38, Jesus teaching again, he says these words, Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. The principle that we read in God's word here that we see here is, is, is something that we, as we look at these two verses is, is something that we need to make sure that we look at it in context. Look at it in the, the, totalitarian, in the total uh, scheme of the, of the scripture itself. What's the context in which it's written? How does it fit into the big picture of scripture? And So what Jesus is saying to us is not that we shouldn't love our families. That's not what Jesus is teaching. What he is saying is uh, uh, as we love him, that that love should be so strong and committed that it, that it outshines all the other loves. And if you, I think you would agree that when we love Christ like that, when we love God like that, when we love him with this deeper love, when we are striving after loving him on a totally new level, and that's the, the, the goal of our life, to love in ever-deepening ways our Lord and our Savior, when we love like that, 
it enables us to love better in all of our other relationships. Our other relationships are enhanced when we love like that. When, when Christ is first, when, when that love for God is first, our devotion and our care for other people is enhanced. So revolutionary love, finally, the third point, enables us to show the world what true love looks like. It enables us to show the world what true love looks like. When this revolution of love comes alive in us, when we follow its teachings, then the world can really see what true love, what it looks like. Not the counterfeit Hollywood portrayal in the movies of love, not the pop culture icons who croon over what love is on the radio. This is revolutionary love that the world desperately needs to see in us and through us as we love the marginalized, as we love people that are unloving, as we love our enemies, as we live that out and flesh that out, it, we will show the world what true love looks like. Because it's how we were loved by God. In, uh, in a book that Gabe Lyons wrote called The Next Christians, he talks about how many Christians live in what he calls uh, as Christian separatist. I grew up as a, in, a, in, a, in a church in Southern Illinois that really was a, a church that kind of taught and espoused this idea of being a Christian separatist. This idea that, that uh, you lived your life separated and insulated from the evils and the problems of the world. That instead of going out into the world and to show the love of God to the world and to engage the world, the, 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 the underlying teaching was that we separate ourselves from the world. We don't want to uh, uh, want anything to happen to us. We don't, we don't want to get dirty from the world. And so we live in our little cloisters behind our big walls and we protect ourselves from them. It's kind of the way that we were taught to live. And it's being a Christian separatist is what, again, how Gabe Lyons describes it. And as we have lived that way, when we've separated ourselves and we've insulated ourselves from our world, and when the only friends that we have are Christian friends, and the only people that we hang out with are other Christians, the only music that we listen to is that kind of music, and the only places we go is in interactions with, with fellow Christians, and we have protected and insulated and we've broken ties with the world. And what the world has seen in that, when we've done that and lived that way, is that we were standoffish, we're judgmental. And we're not loving when we have stopped engaging our world. And if we are going to live out our vision here at First Church of restoring God's ideal, then it will mean that we need to be in the business of engaging our world in going out beyond the walls of, of loving our world and getting our hands dirty at times with those that the world has chosen not to, not to want to love. Again, those that are marginalized. It starts with us abandoning our separatist mentality and loving and living like Jesus. Probably not a whole lot of us get accused of spending too much time with, as Scripture describes, as Jesus says, with sinners. Not too many of us. Maybe a few. 
Jesus, when you look at his life, loved the unlovable. He loved the ones that society had given up hope on. And living a life focused on ourselves and huddled together behind our holy walls, living insulated and separated, that is not revolutionary. Revolutionary is getting our hands dirty. Revolutionary is loving this world. That's what Jesus came to usher in. That's the revolutionary concept. And we must show our world the same thing. Gabe Lyon, later in his book, Next Christian, describes the story of a young, drugged-out girl who was living in the bottom of a house where that was kind of the what, what just happened regularly. And she was on multiple kinds of drugs and had the, had the uh, habit of cutting herself. And, and she was just in this horrible place in life, this young, young lady. And Gabe Lyon describes the story of in that moment that she remembered a, a young man, a group of these Christ followers, these Christians that in, in another part of her life way back when that had loved her unconditionally and she thought back to that relationship that she had had with them. And she, and she called this guy and, and she told him she needed help and, and they showed up, this little group of these Christ followers showed up in the bottom of this house with with the partying and the drug use going on upstairs, they're downstairs and they're trying to encourage her and trying to love on her and trying to speak words of truth and hope and and that there's a better way into her life. She told him that horrible night when she had lost all hope. She said, can you give me just one more night and then I'll come. And then would you help me? And they tried to talk her out of it. No, no, just come with us now. We'll help you now. We, 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 and they tried. And she said, just, just one more night here. And then I'll come. And so they honored her request. And she went back inside the house. And they left and began to pray for her. And she went back into the bathroom. And she cut and she got a old worn razor and she cut deep into her forearm where she had cut herself on any number of other occasions a word that would forever remind her of who she was and she wrote F-U-C-K-U-P that's who she saw herself as she would always be reminded as she looked at her arm who she really was. The story goes on to say that they came that next day and they picked her up and they took her into their home. Actually, they took her because her arm was bleeding and bandaged. They took her, tried to take her to an emergency room. They wouldn't take her because she was drugged out and stoned out and it was beyond their capacity in this little clinic that they had taken her to. And so they took her home and they helped to get her some medication and tried to take care of her because she was strung out and, and did some tough love over the course of weeks. And they rewrote as they loved her what was on her arm through Christ's love. That's what we're being called to. To not just love people that will love us back and it's easy. 
but a revolutionary love looks around our lives and, and looks and, and sees the dark places and sees the people that are not love, loving of us. And we do something different and we live a different way. He, we are, 1 John 4, 10 and 11 says this, we love because he loved us. And so let me just, as we conclude, and I'll turn things over to Pastor Kevin and we'll be done here. What are some action steps for us this weekend? Why don't you just encourage you to ask yourself the question and to think about who has been unlovable in your life so far? That unless God intervenes and Christ helps and the Holy Spirit comes to bear in the situation, that there is no way that you could love that person and it will only be as a choice as that you make a conscious decision to be obedient, to ask for his help, that you can love that person so I want to just encourage you, as we leave this place, even in the last few minutes of this service this weekend, that you ask God to help you to love that person and in some way to begin the road of being able to not hate them, but love them. The second action step would be to think about your life and who in your life your sphere of influence or someone that you could if you went to the trouble that you know about is not experiencing love. Maybe it's a group of people that are different than you. A group of people that, that Christians think don't like them, that judge them, that whatever. Maybe it's a, a group that feels marginalized in some way. A group that's forgotten, an individual that's forgotten. And so what, how could you, to that group, those ones that you've never shown love to, you've never, never really interacted with them maybe. Maybe you passed them and you've always kind of looked and you hoped someone else would take care of that. Someone else would love them. How could this week, how could you show through an act of love, Christ's love in that situation? Remember what we said earlier, that being a Christian has very little to do with how you treat those who love you and very much to do with how you treat those who don't. Heavenly Father, God, as we conclude our time here this weekend, God, we don't want to just listen to words and read stories in your word and hear the teaching of your son and to allow it just to maybe irritate us a little bit when we're listening to it, but then to walk out the same. God, I pray right now that you would, as we open our lives up to you, that you would speak into us. That you would help us, God, to see that area of our lives where we need to love in a revolutionary way, where we've not loved that way and lived that way. Father, what is that area? How could we do that? We need your help, though. We can't do it alone, and, and it's not, we're not capable of it. It's not, it's not our go-to uh, default setting, and we need something different. You alive in us, at work in us. Father, I pray that you would help us. It starts with a realization of what needs to change, who we need to love who we need to stop hating in exchange for love. Help us now. And then help us to flesh that out, to live that out. Help us to be ones that engage our world and not try to separate ourselves from it. But help us to engage it for your sake, for the kingdom's sake, to show our world the love that we have experienced. Help us now. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.
There's a final song I would invite you to join us together as you listen to what God wants to say to you this weekend.